tuning in to another episode of A Little Bit More, a podcast hosted by Derek K. Moore. I hope you've all had a good week. We are back on our usual release schedule here. We are, quote-unquote, as they say on the street, what is it that the kids say? I'm back on my bullshit. Is that what it is? But either way, we're getting back to it. Uh, It's been a pretty cool, as far as like releases go, because, you know, we were off with the last one. It hasn't been a full week since the the last episode, but it has been a great few days uh, to report. Uh, We have wrapped on the movie. Uh, That's a wrap, people. That's a wrap. Close it up. Let's go home. Uh, I was very happy to be on set for the last two weeks of the film. Uh, You know, I was kind of one of the late additions to it. You know, if you don't know the whole story, please go back and listen to our previous episode. It all gets explained there. Uh, Man, what a time on set. What a time. Uh, Now, here's the thing. The weather. Oh, Man of all times for it to be cold and rainy when you're filming a movie that has to be filmed on a boat on the water. Man, was that brutally cold. Uh, that just the, the breeze cut right through you, man. And when it started raining, it just made it that much shittier. But, you know, we had a great production. We had all the tents set up. We had heaters. You know, they did their best to take care of us. Plenty of hot tea and coffee. You know, everybody was struggling. I felt so bad for the camera crew and the production crew because, you know, as the talent, you can get called back from set. You can go hang and holding when you're not being used. The camera crew, the production crew, they are on set all day 24 7 these guys are on the set you know these men and women just workhorses absolute workhorses these productions in these films and these projects would not come to life without the crew they are such an intricate part they, they to me they're even more important than the people on screen man inspired by our good friends over at bud light this here is a salute to the real people of the workplace. Real people of the workplace. Today, we salute you, feature film production assistant. The feature film production assistant. You're tasked with a laundry list of responsibilities ranging from rounding up the talent all the way to the dreaded coffee run. Can't somebody get me some Java? Without you, How else would the actors know how far behind schedule they are? You gotta get your ass over to makeup! Many on set will call you a gopher, but deep down inside we know you tackle your job with the passion and pride of a lion. Can you hear me roar? So crack open a cold one, maestro of the movie set, because this salute is for you. Here's to the feature film production assistant. Bud Light has no affiliation with a little bit more. Please don't sue us. I love watching the camera guys work. The cinematography and just like the way that they speak to each other. I personally don't understand all the lingo that they're saying because that's not my side of the game. But I do love to just watch it all come to life. Like The, the cinematography of this particular film, uh, the guy's name, uh, his, I know his name was Life. I forget his last name. Uh, he did tell me once, but you know, we were, on, we're all on first name basis when we're on set. Uh, man, was this guy good. Just absolutely beautiful work. Him and his crew were incredible to work with. Um, 
my brain froze as uh, just as frozen as we were on the water. I forgot what the hell I was talking about there for a second. This portion of a little bit more brought to you by brain farting. <laughs> and now back to a little bit more <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fucking child. Because uh, here was the thing about it, you know, never mind like the like the weather and everything like that was tough, and we were happy to be wrapped, but. Man, there were a lot of weird things happening on set because, you know, we're doing a time period piece. You know, if you want to learn more about the film, you can go on Facebook and uh, if you t search Black Duck Productions. Actually, no, let me double check just to make sure that I am giving you guys the correct information. But I know if so right now you go on Facebook, you open up your handy dandy little app, you click that little uh what do they call those things? A little magnifying glass. That's what it was. Click that little magnifying glass up in the top right corner. It's Black Duck Productions is the main page, but they've also added now Home of the Bootlegger. Uh, boot, the Bootlegger is the name of the film. And, uh, you know, this was set back in the 1920s. You know, and, uh, you know, I already, like I said, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, got to go listen to it because I'm not going to repeat all the info again. You want to know more about this film? You want to know what the storyline is? Go listen to the previous episode. Okay, that was really aggressive. Let's try that again. Uh, if you want to know more about it, go back and listen to the previous episode. All right, that was better. That was a little bit better. So, uh, the bootlegger, you know, being a period piece, we filmed at a lot of, like, uh, old-time locations, you know, one of which I was certain was haunted. <laughs> I was very happy when we were done filming there. Uh, but all these things were happening while we were on set that were just really awkward one day. And it was the day that it was like our biggest filming day. The scene where we film where all shit hit the fan with the, uh, with these two particular ships that are involved in the film. Right. And, uh, we're getting every time we would get set up to do the big scene, something mega would happen where it would mess with it, right? Like, one, the first night, we're getting, we get everything set. Took hours to get the set and the boats and everything in position. We start filming, one of the boat's engines dies. And we were like, wait, what? Now, as an actor, because this was the day that we were filming until like 2, 3 a.m. This was the over, an overnight shoot. Uh, most of them actually did turn into pretty late night, damn near overnight shoots. But this was the day that was supposed to be like the big day. Uh, we were all cold. We're all tired. We're waiting for uh, for our position, our scenes to come up. And uh, the one of the producers just comes down uh, into the deck because we were below deck on the ship. He goes, "All right, guys, that's a wrap for today." And I look at my phone, my my phone, and I'm like, "Wait, it's like it's it's like not even eleven o'clock yet." He goes, "The engine just died on the other ship." And there was a part of us that was like, "Yeah." Ooh, all right, thank you, Lord, we get to go home early. But then there was the other half that was like, man, all that time that they put into getting everything set up. But yeah, so it was very bittersweet. But, you know, you got to roll with the punches. This is the type of shit that happens in, in productions. So then we get to the next day of filming, get the whole scene set up again. Uh, now I am on set. We're filming my scenes. Uh, let's pull back the curtain a little bit with some of the dialogue. I had a scene where I had to turn to the people and I had to say the words, what did you do? Uh, not that nonchalant, but either way. Uh, and as soon as I deliver the line, what'd you do? The whole set goes dead. Lights go out. Everything dies. The generator stopped for what, but no reason why it had gas at everything. It just stopped. Another thing that was happening throughout the day, the lead actor lost his voice. He felt fine. He had nothing wrong with him. Showed up to set and everything was great. But out of nowhere, voice gone. 
So me, being how my weird mind works and always has to go to someplace morbid, I'm like, man, I'm telling you, the original, like, the, the, the ghost of our lead character is on this set right now. He don't want his story out there, man. He don't want this shit to be made. And everyone kind of, like, stood there. Like, a few laughed, but then other people who think like me stood there and was like, yo. Dude, don't be saying that shit around here. Like, the lead actor who lost his voice, he was, like, super creeped out. Uh, so it was, it was cool. To have, it was just a fun moment to, you know, to share that. But, like, yeah, just all these weird things happening on set that, like, that you, you don't normally deal with. You know what I mean? But be, with doing a period piece that was based on a real-life story and, and, and just the eerie vibe that we had at certain times, it was like, damn, this this is very, very weird. You know, how, how else can you explain it? How else can you explain it, right? I'm about to call, uh, what, what do they call these guys that lie about the taps or whatever it is? No, I, I don't know if those guys, you know, I don't know if any of those shows are legit. I don't want to seem like I'm talking shit about one show in particular. But, like, I don't know about any of them. I seem, I feel like they're all the same, you know what I mean? It's They, they all got the equipment. They all walk in there. They hold up their microphones. And they're like, if you're here, make some noise. I said, if you're here, just make some noise and let us know that you're here. Like, the ghost is going to perk up and be like, what's up, bro? You know what show used to scare the shit out of me? Uh, I know we kind of, like, switched up gears here at this point, but I'm pretty much done talking about the film. You want to know more about it? Go to Facebook. Uh, you know, pay attention to the film, The Bootlegger. Feel free to check it out in your time, but that's a wrap on that. But to get back to what I was saying, you want to know what show scared the shit out of me? Fear. You guys remember Fear on uh, on MTV? It had like Godsmack as the theme music. They would take these like teenagers out into like these like documented haunted places, and they'd all have these missions and tasks to go on. Now I don't I don't know if they were all legit. I'm sure that there a lot of them were like bullshit and staged. But the way it was filmed and the way it was all done, that show used to give me a mind fuck, dude. But now I guess I could say. Because knowing what I know now about quote-unquote reality television, how I know these are all casting calls, uh, that would be cool to see revived. Uh, but I don't know if I would actually take it because I'm too much of a bitch. You know, no way I would be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I can handle watching violence in, like, horror movies or just, like, like bullets, people getting decapitated. I can handle all that type of stuff. When it comes to, like, spirits and demonic shit, yo, bro, turn that shit off. Turn that shit off, dude. I don't want to watch that. Like, the first, uh, what was, The Ring. Like, when that movie came out, dude, I watched it at a, a house party with a bunch of other my teenage friends, my old band at the time, you know, was, we were all hanging out watching the film, but what sucked is when we left the house, the property we were watching it at had this huge water, uh, the, the, was it a waterfall? Water well. They had a huge well in the front of their yard. So the first thing we see when we leave the house right after watching this film is a well. Yeah, we all booked it to the car. I Starsky and hutched it across the hood. I slammed that thing into gear and peeled out. I was too, too creeped out. That Japanese demon with the... Yo, screw that. Screw that shit, bro. And then there was that one, the grudge, that had like the... I think the little kid in The Grudge may have even been creepier than the girl in The Ring. I know they're kind of like the same world based on the same type of curses, but that little boy, when she lifts the sheets and he's right there, like, Whoa! That, yo, fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. I didn't even expect to talk about horror or anything like that in this. <laughs> All right, focus. Focus, or as my wife says, enfocate. So... Uh, I wanted to talk about everybody losing their minds 
over Disney Plus, okay? Because, you know, we've all seen everybody talking about it. It was the biggest boom over the last, like, week or two as everybody's been coming onto the platform. 10 million users in the first day. Yo, that that's a lot of bank, man. The Wow, wow, way to go, Mickey. Way to go, Mouser. That, that's a lot. <laughs> the 10 million users? Huh, excuse me. I, I was I was choking on how big of a number that was. First off, the thing that caught my attention was the amount of adults losing their mind over this. Like, look, I get it. Okay, you know, we all grew. Everyone grew up with at least some stage of Disney at some point. But some people like kind of showed a very creepy side of them. You know what I mean? Like the people that like you never see post much on social media. They 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 dive in every now and then, maybe a selfie, maybe like a family photo at get-togethers, you know, if they have a date night with their significant other. Very rarely do these people check in, but as soon as Disney Plus came out, these freaks are busting out their mouse ears. They're throwing on their Disneyland sweatshirts from back in the late 90s, and they're jumping on social media showing us their wax figure collections and all their porcelain dolls and how they have every VHS tape and DVD and every watching platform of every Disney movie that has ever been made in the entire history of time. Like, their kids got freaking Disney pajamas out the ass. I get it. Like, I get we grew up with it, but yo, let go of the childhood. Don't you have bills to pay? This portion of A Little Bit More is brought to you by Personal Issues. Hey there, listener. Don't worry about what's happening on the podcast right now. It's not your fault that Derek wasn't hugged enough as a child and still has a lot of trauma he's trying to work through. Yo, what the- Oh, calm down there, fancy boy. You know it's true. Fancy boy! And now back to a little bit more with your fancy boy host, Derek K. Moore. So somebody fire this asshole! But 10 million users in the first day, man, that is insane. That's the type of number that gets your attention. So I, I'll admit, you know, you start seeing these things, and, I'm, and you know, me and the wife, you were being kind of like, I'm getting, I'm getting sick of Netflix personally, you know. That's, that's where I was coming from, you know. But, you know, she has it for the kids and, you know, that, and whatnot. Uh, you know, so a lot of the, we're, we're, we're that part of the family where, like, we take the bullet so everybody else can have Netflix for free. You know, that, that's where we are. Not all heroes wear capes, people, okay? Some of them just give out their Netflix password. So that's what, we, that's what we do in this household. But, like, I'm just getting sick of it. It's just I feel like I spend more time scrolling to find something to watch than I do actually watching anything. And nine times out of ten, once I find something to watch, I usually fall asleep because it's at the end of the day anyways. So it's like I'm paying, like, almost 20 bucks a month for what? For what? So the $6.99 a month caught my attention. There, I'm like, okay, they got every Marvel movie. I'm down, or, I'm down with that. I'm like, they got Star Wars. Down with that. I mean, Disney, I grew up with the classics. I'm not opposed to watching them. I love me some Aladdin. I love me some Lion King. And I fully admit, I love Beauty and the Beast. All right? So that, that, that's as far... That, those are my top three for the originals, okay? So uh, it was appealing. But then I saw them like, oh, they also got Pixar. So we got Pixar movies. I got National Geographic. I don't watch much Nat Geographic, but that's mainly because I don't have cable. So I'm like, all right, hey, that's something new to watch. I know I'll have some things to check out. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do the free trial. They give you a week free. Let's check it out. We download it, and immediately, like, nostalgia just kicks in. I'm going through the searches, and I'm just like, oh, my God, baby, they got all the classics we love. Yeah, 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 they got Sword in the Stone. They got it. Oh, my God, they got Gargoyles. I haven't seen this show in years. And then that's when I found it. I'm like, X-Men? 
the, 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 the cartoon X-Men? Yes! Oh, I was so pumped for it. So like, so she jumps in the shower. She's laughing at me, acting like a little kid. I put on X-Men. I'm rocking out to the opening theme music. I'm watching that first episode where they're looking for Jubilee. And maybe like 10 minutes or so into it, I kind of sat there and I was like, wait, I got to do dishes and laundry and I'm... I have responsibilities and I'm an adult. Like, nostalgia wore off really quick. And that's where I was kind of like, all right, so everything that's on this platform, when I looked at it, I'm like, I know I've already seen everything that I know I want to watch. So I'm going to pay $6.99 a month. And when I was looking at that, I went into Marvel, because this is where I was like, all right, now I really need to see what they offer. They say they got Marvel, but they don't have every Marvel movie for you. And that's why I was like, what the hell is this? So I'm like, all right, what, what about Star Wars? Do I have every Star Wars? They have almost every Star Wars. I'm like, I don't understand why they don't have Last Jedi on there right now. Now, I get a lot of people are like, you don't need Last Jedi. All right, they got the originals. That's what matters. All right? They don't need the Last Jedi. All right, calm down, you man-child. Like, I want everyone. If I'm going to pay for the subscription, I want access to lit- every Marvel, every Star Wars. That's what, if that's what I'm going to pay for. And that's when I realized, like, God damn it. They didn't, they're, they're just as bad as the rest of them. They're just another streaming platform that's going to hook you in. They give you just enough to watch for the month. Then they'll give you some new stuff next month, which justifies your monthly rate. And they already got their series, The Mandalorian, on there, which is hooking people left and right. You're not going to get me. I did not start watching Mandalorian, and here's why. Because I refuse to watch a series that I know is there to just hook me into the monthly subscription. I'm not falling for Disney Plus's version of Stranger Things. I already fell for this once, you dick mouse. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, Fool me once. Shame on... Shame on you. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. I don't want to spend $6.99 a month for just another platform that I'm probably going to scroll more than I watch. But then they drop that bomb where they're like, Well, hey. Hey there. I see you got your little uh, little free subscription. $6.99 a month. Well, how about Hulu? I already got Hulu. Well, <laughs> okay. I'll throw it a little bit better. How about ESPN Plus? All three of them, $12.99 a month. It's like, God damn it, Walt. I don't know if that voice is how Walt sounded, but we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck that voice came from. Uh, it sounded more like an auctioneer, like, yeah, see? All right, so you got Disney Plus. How about $6.99 a month? No, I'm on Hulu. Yeah, all right, whatever. Just rewinding what I just did. All right. When, they, when I saw that bundle, that kind of caught my attention. So I'm like, all right, I already got Hulu, so that's not really... Uh, so I'll be able to cancel the $5.99 a month for Hulu, so, so it would be cheaper to go this route, but I, I don't know. We're still in limbo. We're still doing that free subscription, but to be honest with you, I don't think I'm going to leap for it. It just, it just comes down to a lot of factors. So tune in next week. Maybe I'll be able to update you on the streaming chronicles, which is just, it, is it, hasn't it just become cable at this point? You know what I mean? Like they, they have, we were like, we've, we've done away with cable freedom to the users. And that now like you like, Oh, well, we got bundle packages. Wait, you mean like you guys used to bundle my channels with cable? Like, it's, uh, it's just the new age cable. That's all it is. It's only a matter of time before some billionaire comes along, buys out everybody at once. It's probably going to be Disney. And then they're going to end up, hey, now you can have all streaming services for only $74.99 a month. Yeah, let me guess what's next. The mouse is going to create Wi-Fi? Fuck you.
I bring you a status report, Master. Go ahead. Due to our partnership with Hulu and ESPN+, the death of Netflix is imminent. <laughs> Good. Good. However, Master, there is one problem. And what might that be? Well, the citizens have become restless, and they're starting to speak out against us. <laughs> what should we do? <laughs> we will do nothing. Let the hate flow through them. But, Master, what could that lead it to? It will lead to nothing, and the people will do nothing. Don't you see what is going on here? Today it is streaming, tomorrow we unleash internet, and then in no time, we will rule the galaxy! <laughs> we are Disney Plus! Suck our dick! So a topic that I did want to talk about today that I'm seeing a lot, a lot of, well, we, we all see it a lot every single day in social media. They're the, uh, the quote-unquote entrepreneurs. Ooh, the entrepreneur. Oh, that sounds fancy to me now, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not unemployed. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, we can all put that in our Instagram bio, you douche. It's just there because now with TikTok, they've all kind of started migrating over here. You know what I mean? Because everybody loves Gary Vaynerchuk and now because he's big on the app, now all the other entrepreneurs who suck his dick daily through social media, praying to God they're going to get a job at VaynerMedia. But they're not. You're not going to get a job at VaynerMedia. Gary already has his people. Uh, but now they're jumping on the app. They're trying to do that thing of like, you know, I just didn't like 9 to 5, so I'm going to teach you my system for making money. You know, all, all the all the furus, the, the fake gurus that they, they try to sell you their systems. And it's it's just been brutal lately because it's all I've been seeing on social media. Here, here's the thing that I that I have learned about entrepreneurship. Okay, there's going to be a billion of these guys in the in the social media world. There are way more snakes than there are legitimate sharks. All right, because a lot of a statistic about entrepreneurship that a lot of people don't know: ninety percent, ninety percent of entrepreneurs fail. They fail. They don't succeed. That means nine out of every ten of these people that you meet, they are failing. They're losing money. They're still trying to find their their niche. They're still trying to find that business model that actually makes them a successful entrepreneur. All right. There's a big difference between just calling yourself an entrepreneur and actually being successful with it. All right. It's a hard hard road okay it's a road that I myself have gone down I hate the nine-to-five world it's not for me I was a machinist for over seven years seven eight years and it just I couldn't do it anymore uh, I did walk away from the trade for a while because I had that I put on my big boy pants and I'm like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be my own boss and then you know you get your ass kicked six different ways from Sunday and I was like all right I kind of got no choice let me I, I'm gonna go back to work for a little while I went back to machining and then wouldn't you know it I, I ended up having an accident on the job uh, I got pulled into a machine uh, that'll be a story for another time I'm just giving you the nutshell and uh, it was when that happened, I had to have hand surgery, and I kind of had that thought of like, man, if I just stuck to my guns, if I didn't go back to the well, if I didn't just crawl back to the job that I was, I walked out of and was all empowered to leave, this wouldn't have happened. If this isn't the universe slapping me upside the head saying, you don't belong here, then I don't know what is. So that, that was where I kind of woke up and I'm like, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to keep going down this, be my own boss road. And I'm going to take my lumps and I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I got to do. All right. You know, is this not, it's, it, 
I'd say probably the best way to sum it up is if you've ever seen the movie A League of Their Own, there's this scene with Jimmy Dugan, right? Tom Hanks, Jimmy Dugan. He's talking to the uh, the lead actress, Gina Davis. She played, uh, 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 oh my God, I'm trying, she, would, she was the catcher. Yeah, the Queen of Diamonds. She did Dottie Henson. Dottie Henson. That's who it was. So Jimmy Dugan and Dottie, they're talking, and Dottie just has this moment where she looks at Jimmy and she goes, "It just got too hard," and Jimmy gets right in her face and he gets real and he goes, "It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. It's the hard that makes it great." Oh, what a line! I love that dialogue because it's true if it were easy everybody would do it okay entrepreneurship is not for oh doorbell's ringing that means the wifey's home with the groceries hang on people this portion of a little bit more is brought to you by married life love makes you do crazy things but marriage makes you do laundry clean the gutters and drink almond milk i never thought i'd see the day i'm drinking almond milk and we're back. Now, where I was leaving off about, you know, if it were easy, everybody would do it. And, and that's what I can't stand about these guys on social media that try to make it seem like it's just so fucking simple to be successful and pave your own path and earn your own income. Like, even bring it back to, like, the simplest of things. You know, like, I, I, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk earlier. He's a big advocate for flipping. You know, you buy something from a garage sale, and then you you go and you sell it online, and you make a sm- you make a profit, and then you get these guys who like they do that, they go to Goodwill, they flip a T-shirt, and then they go and put fucking entrepreneur in their bio and act like they made money while they slept. Like, dude, there's so many more steps to it. Like, yeah, you can make money off flipping things. I do it on the side, you know, because it is a way of making money. But these guys that try to overglorify it, it's not as cut and dry as you think. Because when you, all right, so l- let's go through the steps, shall we? You walk into a, a thrift store, a Savers, a Goodwill, a Salvation Army, or even just a store that's having a hell of a sale. You find an item that's selling for more than it is in the store online. So then you know that you can make a profit. You take that thing home. You take some pictures. You post it online. You find your buyer and you sell it. But the profit that you have in mind is not what you think you're actually making. Because let's say you spent $5 to get the product. You sold it for $25 online. That means you're looking at a $20 profit. That's before you get your listing fees taken out. That's before you calculate your shipping costs. That's before you have to pay your fees to PayPal. Who does? If you're, that's if you're using eBay or any other site for that that takes their their side fees. There's always things associated, and then after that, you end up realizing you made like seven, eight bucks. Now, did you make money? Yes. But is it one of those things that you're like, oh, I'm going to quit my nine to five. I made eight bucks today. No, this, is, this isn't like a crazy thing that you some people can scale it and some people go hog wild. They go thrifting all day. But do you have any idea how much time those particular people who are looked at as gurus in that flip, thrifting community? Do you have any idea how many hours they spent online researching these products? Do you have any idea how many of these thrifting conventions or these mega flea markets? Of the, that the community holds, how much information that they have shared with each other over time. Not something that just happens overnight. And that's something as simple as flipping. That's something you can just go and do at any moment of the day. That's not something like building a business from start. That, that takes even more. That's why they say most businesses don't make money for at least three to five years. Three to five years, and you got guys quitting their jobs, and then they go, and they think they're going to build a business, and they give up on it in six to eight months. They give up in the first year, 
You know, I, I've look. You get your ass kicked in the entrepreneurial world. That's why I can't stand when these dudes come online and try to act like it's so freaking simple. And most of them are losing money. Most of these guys are saying that they're photoshopping their pictures to make their sales look like they're grander than they are, and then they go home and cry because they know they're a scumbag for doing it. Woohoo! All right, we're enjoying life today. Oh, hey there! Didn't see you. Thanks for stopping scrolling. Did you see the car? You like it? Yeah. So did I at one point. That's why I quit my job, became my own boss, and now I have seven Ferraris in different colors, all with their own personal parrot. But enough about me. Let's head inside this beautiful Malibu property we're hanging out at today, and I'm gonna show you my proven system for flipping houses. That's right. For just $799 a month, I'm gonna show you how you can. You didn't actually believe all that shit, did you? Come on, he rented the car and the property they're filming at in the first place. So you're welcome. And now I'm gonna go let these parrots out of their cages. Who the fuck needs seven caged parrots in a locked car at all times? What a piece of shit. Look, we've all had a job that we absolutely hated. We've all had times where we stand there and think, there's gotta be a better way. There is a better way. It just takes a long time to pave that road is what it comes down to. You know, I have tried numerous, numerous businesses and models, all right? I'll go back right to the beginning. I started where a lot of people start. I started with MLM, multi-level marketing. Most people call it a pyramid scheme, you know? And it's it'll be the endless debate over time. Some people understand the business model. Some people think it's a scam. And as somebody who's been involved in the world, I can see both sides of it. I really can't. I totally understand how some people can think it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or I totally see how some people think it's one of the scummiest things in the world of business. All right. Now, I have uh, I have done. I want two. Two, two multi-level models. The first one I like signed up and then I was like, I'm not doing this, you know, because <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be able to be successful with it, which is stupid. I had a negative mindset before going into it. You know, anything can be successful. Anything can work. You get out of what you put into something is what it comes down to. Uh, the second one I tried was this one. It was like uh, it was like bootleg AAA. Uh, it was called like Motor Club of America, MCA. And uh, they, they sold basically the same product that AAA offers with like towing services and things like that. But the startup fees were like super cheap for uh, for it. It only cost me like 50 bucks to get into it. And that's one of the things where if you're going to go into an MLM, the pay attention to what the startup fee is. The cheaper it is, chances are the shittier the business model is. Uh, the one that I did that I had a lot of success with was called ACN, uh, American Communications Network. Uh, they work in the telecommunications industry, uh, selling you know like cable, uh, internet, uh, phone services, security systems. Uh, they got this new thing now, you know, because I'm still friends with people who are involved. I'm not involved in it anymore. Uh, they, I guess, they got this like uh, LifeLock thing that I. Uh, identity security system that's been going big for them you know uh so that you know i i did have some success i'll admit you know for an entire year i was going strong with that but the further i took it the more i kind of realized this is not for me you know and, that, and that's the other thing too it's okay to walk away from things it's okay to fail there's nothing wrong with that at all that was one of the hardest lessons i think i learned from going down this entrepreneur path is that you know not everything's going to work not everything's going to be for you because uh, when it comes down to it uh, multi-level marketing uh it, it is a business model that is good for people who have no idea what 
or how to go about building a business. It, it, it's good for that, for taking your lumps in the entrepreneur game and for kind of getting started and getting your feet wet. Uh, for me, it wasn't something I wanted to take uh, that far just because uh, ultimately at the end of the day, MLM is something that you've got to marry. You know, it, it, you really have to because it's masses of asses is, is really what it is. You have to get 500 people interested in the meeting so you can maybe get one to five people who are actually going to sign on. It's a lot of work, just like everything else in this game. It's a lot of work. And that's what I, that's another aspect about these jackasses online. They all talk about their system and how they do it from their bedroom and this, that, and the other thing. But never, nobody ever talks about how they just work hard. Like that's really the cornerstone. Like if you, if you pay attention to genuine business and entrepreneurial moguls, their message is all pretty much the same across the board. Don't be a dick and work your ass off. That's what it comes down to, all right? If you're not prepared to outwork every single person in the room, then just go. Just leave. You don't belong there. That was something that my dad taught me from me. The way it was worded to me from my dad was, you look to your left and you look to your right, and then you outwork both of those motherfuckers. That was what I was taught, all right? And I grew up in New England. That's word for word, okay? It was kind of weird to be five years old and be like, Dad, what's a motherfucker? And, you know, that was a conversation for completely different. But the, 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 the moral, the, the lesson that my dad was teaching me, that was sound advice. And now, an excerpt from the Tales of Parenting in New England, written by Gramonikov's Chomsky. Hey, kid, come here. Okay, I'm coming, Dad. Come on. No, come on. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. So... Got something you want to tell me? Uh, no, no, no. No? No, I don't. Not, not everything's you sure fine. about that? Yeah, everything's fine, yeah. Because your mother tells me you got in trouble at school today for fighting. Um... You get uh, into fights, huh? Um... You get into I, a little scrap, little fisticuffs, uh, huh? Um, Is that I why mean, your knuckles are all banged up? Tell me the truth. Uh, all right, I did. I did. I got okay. into a fight. Okay. I did. I'm sorry, well, Dad. I'm sorry. Your mother told me to come up here and talk to you. So, okay. uh... Um, but I... If she asks... Just oh. tell her I talk to you, but quite frankly... I will, I will. What happened to the other kid, huh? Wait, huh? what? You fuck him up good, huh? <laughs> you get him in a headlock, and <laughs> a couple of one-two trade in the head, huh? Yeah, did you? Did. <laughs> That's yeah, my boy. Yeah, did, Dad. That's my boy. So, yeah, if your mother asked, just tell her, you know, I told you to, like, rake the leaves or some shit this weekend. But that okay. kid runs his mouth again, you fuck him up for a second time. And you tell him he runs his mouth a third time, third time's a charm, bitch. I'll bury you in the backyard. Good job, kid. I love you. <laughs> So MLM can be a viable way to get your feet wet, but I found that it wasn't for me, and I walked away. It, it, and But I, I took what I learned from that, and I applied it to other things. My first business that I attempted out of the gate was a construction company. I teamed up with a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, we, we went through the ringer. We got our funds together. We got it funded. We got our tools, and then we just started hitting our network, and we started finding work. We started drumming up clientele, and we were actually extremely pleased with how those first few months went we were looked at it we were like dude we we got something here you know so we looked at it i was like oh well, oh it looks like i'm walking away from my uh, my i was keeping like a part-time job you know at the time i'm like well i'm just gonna do this full-time now but then we made another mistake that a lot of younger entrepreneurs do or younger businessmen who don't have the time put in. We bit off more than we could chew way too fast. We took on jobs that, looking back on, probably didn't have any business taking on, and it ended up murdering our accounts. 
you know, because when you take the job, I'm contractually obligated. We got to get this job finished. I'm not putting my own reputation on the line, you know, and it is, and it, it was what it was. And we reached a point where we had to kind of look at how bad our bank accounts looked and we closed up shop, you know, and it, we bit, we grew and died just as fast. Uh, but learned a lot about customer interaction, about finding work, about networking. That's what I learned from that. The next business model I took was a uh, car lot with a friend of mine who I, who I grew up with. His father had a uh, car lot, you know, so my buddy grew up in this business, you know, uh, Matt. Shout out, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we started doing that. You know, we were kind of just doing as a independent guys, you know, buying and selling cars on the side. Uh, and then we had a very good spring, and we were kind of like looking, we were like, yo, all right, so with the state laws, we can only really do so much with buying and selling cars on our own. And you know what, real quick side note, this is another thing that I see people talking about with like, let me show you how to make money. They talk about flipping things, I'm going to show you my system for flipping cars. And uh, I actually saw a dude on TikTok doing this. We ended up not getting into it, but we had a great conversation in the comments about it because he made it seem like it was so easy. To j- he was like, he even like recorded himself doing it. Like, you guys can make like 500, 2,000 a month doing this. Or you just go to Craigslist, you go to the find cars section, you find a guy. Like, he made it seem like it was just so cut and dry. But I had to call him out. I was like, dude, there's so so much more that you didn't talk about here. How about title skipping? You know, what if like the wrong kid sees this, goes and does that, and then they get arrested for a federal offense? His argument was, well, I only got a minute in the video, which is valid, totally valid, but like then market it in a way to where the last thing you say is, if you want more information, DM me. If you want more information, shoot me a line because there is way more to it. Yeah, flipping cars, depending on where you live, yeah, you can make money with it, but it's not as easy as you think because if you, it, I'll give you the example. I just mentioned it being a federal offense. You buy a car. You go on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, or anything like that. You buy a used car, and then you go and flip it to make a profit. Did that, did that car have a title? Okay, well, if it did and you didn't register the car, you just did what's known as title skipping. That's a federal offense. Now you're in a lot of trouble. You know, so when you buy a car, if it has a title, you got to register it to yourself before you can sell it. Did you know that? So that's more money out of your pocket that you got to put into your investment. And then you can only sell so many cars independently throughout uh, the year, depending on which state you live in. And that was the limit that myself and Matt reached. We didn't want to be we didn't want to get in trouble with this shit. You know what I mean? So. You know, there are a lot more th- – anytime – basically, here's the, the, the message. Anytime somebody on social media tries to show you a business model, there's always way more to it. And the shorter the post, the more they have to explain. So I'll, I'll say that. But to get back to the car, the car lot thing, that's why we were like we've already sold enough cars legally. Uh, if we sell any more right now, we're illegal and we could get in a lot of trouble. So we decided let's get a car lot. And, uh, yo, that sucked. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I fucking hated it. I hated every aspect of that because then it came to, all right, before we were just buying and selling online. Now now we need inventory. So now we're going to the, to the auction every week. And, dude, don't if you don't have tens of thousands of dollars to, to buy and sell cars, don't do it on a grander scale because you're not going to be able to survive. We just got eaten alive at the auction by these sharks. There, there was no way of getting out of there with a decent car that you could actually make a profit on. Now, did we get cars that we could make profit? Of course, but we had to buy the shit, and we had to put a lot of work into it to make the cars good. So it got to a point where we were like, we, it was like every month we were breaking even. So 
it got to a point where we were like, this just, I don't think this is for, this is going to end up being for me, man. You know, it just, I, I, at the end of the day, I know I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I know, well, not necessarily an entrepreneur, but I know I always wanted to kind of pave my own way, but this isn't for me. I always hated working on cars. And one of the key stones is that, you know, most of us, you leave your nine to five because you're not a fan of it. You know, you, you leave your job, you leave jobs that you don't like. Why would I want to start a business doing something that I don't really like? I didn't, I didn't know how much having to work on the cars was going to go into it. You know, did I learn a lot? Fuck yeah. I learned a lot. I learned that I don't like working on cars. That's what I learned. I learned that I'd much rather pay a friggin' mechanic to do this shit, okay? I live in New England. I need my brakes done right now. You really think I'm going to go do that out in my driveway in December? Hell to the fuck no. No way am I doing that. My, I, got, I got dumb little hands. I have no patience. I'm going to break more parts in the process than I'm going to fix. So that's what I learned from doing this shit. So, you know, so another business, another failure. No problem. I'm okay with that. Learned a lot from it. And the one thing that I learned from doing construction and doing a car lot is that, you know what? If you're going to start a business, probably should start something that you're more well-versed in. So that's, really, that's another tidbit, a little bit, bit of information that I learned the hard way because that's always been my MO. I can never just do things the way I'm told to. I always got to do it my way. I always got to find out the hard way. And granted, it's more prideful in the end, but I know, I know in my core that I make things harder on myself than I have to. So if you're going to start a business, start with something you're more well-versed in. That's why now my third business, my wife and I have launched our own comedy company with Backdrop Comedy. We've been producing shows now uh, since the end of summer and uh, uh, throughout the fall. We're booked now throughout all of winter. Uh, we're booked into March of 2020 of next year. And it's going better. Why? Because I know what I'm actually doing. <laughs> I've been involved in comedy now for over seven years. Granted, booking is another aspect of the game, but I'm surrounded with a lot of great comics who have been doing this for a long time. They're showing me the ropes. My wife and I are learning, and we're doing our best to build rooms and give good, paying, quality gigs to comedians who are working because if there's anything that I know about comedy, it can be very, very hard to not just find stage time as a newer comic, but as a veteran when you start to cross that five-year mark and you start being known as what is a veteran in the uh, more of a veteran in the business it also can be hard to find consistent paying work so my not business model but our our mindset with this is just produce quality shows and make sure the crowd has fun the rest of it will fall in line and you know what that thought process has worked out very well for us so far so i guess in a nutshell i didn't expect to end this with this but it just hit my head uh if if you're going to fail, there's no problem with failing. Just make sure you fail forward. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm probably sure I'm, I'm probably not the only person to ever say that. You know, it sounds like some I may have actually heard in the past said by somebody. For some reason, I think Will Smith is coming to mind right now. I don't know if he said that, but if he did, there's a lot of merit to it. All right. Because I have learned way more from my failures than I have from any of my successes. So to bring it all the way back to the beginning, if you see these dipshits on social media talking about their success, make sure they're not one of the nine out of 10 who are failing in this. This world before you start paying for their courses because most people I have met in this world in the business and entrepreneurial world the ones that are that good the ones who do know how to sustain themselves and build long-term sustainable wealth most of them ain't got a system because they don't need to sell you their stuff. They're happy with where they're at, which is another aspect that a lot of people don't take into consideration with that, with entrepreneurship. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to make money, but what you have to worry about is quality of life. 
So I think that's what you what most people really need to ask themselves is not do I want to be successful? We all want to be successful. Is what quality of life do you want? Okay, and uh, you know this this another thing just came to mind right now that I, that I've done in the past. Uh, if you've uh, he's big on Instagram and in and in the stock trading world, Timothy Sykes. A lot of people don't know this about me. I'm one of his former trading students. I took his course. I did it through and through. And I'll openly admit, I learned how to trade stocks from this guy. But want to know what else I learned? That is a miserable life. And if you're a stock trader and you get offended by that, hey, that's on you, bro, because it wasn't for me. I'm not trying to offend, but I can say I was miserable doing that shit. You are married to a computer screen. And that for me, did I want to make money? Did I want to be successful? Yes, but I did not intend to sit in a living room or my bedroom all damn day constantly researching the market, watching tickers, watching the line go up and go down and figure out entries and exits. Like, have I traded? Of course. Uh, do I still dabble and watch the market every now and then? Yeah. I'm not heavily investing right now because I'm more focused on building a genuine business at the moment. Uh, but So that's what you got to take into consideration. Now, as far as Timoth uh, with, with Timothy Sykes, is he a legitimate guru? Yes. I learned a lot from him. But if you you can make a lot of money, but yo, you're just married to a computer screen, and that wasn't for me. That wasn't the quality of life that I was looking for. Uh, so that's one of the biggest things. We all want to be successful, but what quality of life do you want? Ask yourself that question if you're serious about going the entrepreneurial world because most of these dipshits that are popping up on your cell phone behind the screen, their quality of life ain't that good, bro. Not just a, a from trust me, I have met plenty of them. Majority of these dudes, they're in therapy, they're depressed as fuck, and they're glorifying their shit online. Do you really want that for yourself? Hello and welcome to the Institute. How may I help you? Yeah, hi. Uh, I was hoping to make an appointment with Dr. Parenti. Okay, well, what seems to be the problem? Uh, well, I've just, uh, I've been experiencing some problems lately, and I, I just think it's time to finally go to therapy. Okay, well, what kind of problems are you having, sweetheart? Well, it's just, you know, uh, I was doing very well in my business for a little while, and, you know, I seem to have made some enemies with my system recently, and I, I just don't know what to do. Okay, okay, you say you have a system? Yes. Uh-huh, a system? Okay. Yep. Is that system one of those things where people pay you for some sort of course that you supposedly created? Um, and it ends up not really working out well for the clientele because you weren't really too versed in what you were doing in the first place. Is it one of those things? I, I mean, I wouldn't really word it like that, but what does that have to do with me wanting therapy? Uh-huh. Okay, sweetheart. Listen, I'm going to do you a favor right now, okay? I'm going to save you all these medical and therapy bills and just tell you, you don't need therapy. You just got to stop being a piece of shit and go to church, okay? Now get the fuck out of our office. Thank you. <laughs> So no questions from the listeners this week. Like I said, it was a short week. I uh, wasn't really expecting many questions to be flying in. Uh, but, you know, if you want to drop me a line, you know, get at me. DerekKMore.com. That's the hub of everything we do here and in social media. You can find me on every platform through my website. So if you got an idea, you got questions, you know, get at me. I love hearing from you guys. You know, last week's episode, like for the now, I think this is the third plug. Go check it out. We had some fun with the questions from listeners. Go check it out. It's a good time. But thank you very much for tuning in today. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you picked away, you know, a little uh, little tidbits of information there at the end. Didn't expect to talk so much about the business world. But if you want to hear more about it, let me know. Let me know. But I hope you guys have a good week. Slay your day. And I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now get the fuck out of our office. Thank you.